0: Hey, everyone. Um, We just wanted to start off by... Well, start off on a little bit of a dour note more than anything. Um, First and foremost, we wanted to say uh, huge thoughts and condolences with the family and friends and teammates and everybody all around affected by the loss of Matisse Kavelniks, the uh, Columbus prospect goaltender, uh, tragically passed away at the age of 24 from a firework accident. Um, nothing you like to see, especially with a guy that young. Um, and I mean, he looked like he was having a pretty promising future, had a, had a nice little stint, uh, in Cleveland as their starter for a bit, and then kind of transitioned into sort of going up between Columbus and coming back down with Cleveland. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, a goalie that passed away at such a young age. So we just wanted to start off by giving our thoughts and condolences to, to him and his family, well, to his family, friends. Teammates, everything. Um, earlier today, I watched the John Davidson uh, press conference, and just a horrible thing to watch, and very sad to see. So we just wanted to give our our our, our thoughts and condolences with them. Uh, Miles, did you have anything you wanted to say at all?
1: Just echoing your thoughts and prayers for everybody involved, and getting over something as tragic as that. Um, he got his first career win, two to one against the New York Rangers at madison square garden made 31 saves it takes a big old pair of braveries to do that and like you said had a promising future ahead of them and gone too soon
0: yeah so once again just wanted to reiterate that so we will now enter into the real show Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 24th episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles,
1: how are you? I'm doing great, Nolan, and it feels actually kind of wrong. It feels weird that I'm doing this episode across from you and not staring into a laptop. This is the first in-person recording of a One for One episode and it only took us 24.
0: Kobe Bryant would be proud of us right now.
1: Yes. And
0: Darrell Revis and Jack Bauer, Matt Dumba.
1: Matt Dumba. Hey, hey, hey.
0: hey potential choilers trade target, baby. Hey, we're looking at
1: you, Maddie. Um, I'm doing good, Nolan. Like I said, kind of weird to be looking across from you and doing this. We are coming to you live from the Steak and Bacon Studios over on St. James Crescent, having a hell of a time. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to a great episode. Uh, let's should I should I run the folks at home through what's going to be going on today? Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. Excellent. So we are going to be starting the episode off with a little bit of Stanley Cup talk. Habs versus Lightning wrapped up yesterday, in five games, the Gentleman's sweep, as called by yours truly, Father Pickmus. Um, we'll be transitioning that into a little bit of Oilers talk. Some work, uh, some work, not some work, some great news recently nolan and Eulerville, and that is the extension of sir ryan nugent hopkins we're going to be talking about that then we're going to be moving into a little bit of the trade rumors with the stanley cup ending uh there's a couple of big events coming up in the hockey world which is the draft the expansion draft and some free agency and some trades so I'm i so think excited. i'm so excited i think we've got a lot to talk about today nolan and i think that we are better suited talking about it Instead of talking,
0: I can now I
1: can now do this to you. He's putting his foot on my leg, and I'm nervous. Or we or or we can play footsies. Yeah, we're both wearing white socks, though we're white sock conglomerate. Yeah,
0: but mine are Nike, so yeah. fuck
1: off. <laughs> our
0: our first our, our first, first fight, our first mean <laughs> thing we've said. Oh, interesting. In person, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not
1: not like in general. Like no one's pretty mean to me overall. Excuse me, <laughs>
0: except for except for that time that um except for that time that Miles thought that I was I was peeling dry skin off my foot and throwing it on his carpet.
1: <laughs> oh, I got so <laughs> mad at you. Um, speaking of being mad at you, my body is mad at you, Nolan. Specifically, my stomach. Um, we're going on 34 minutes since I tried a beef and cheddar from Arby's, and for all the I think you should leave fans at home. My stomach is absolutely fucked. I ate the paper, and by paper, I mean a beef and chad. Um, questions. Why is the cheese liquid? It, it, like, uh, what, like, what is it? Why? It hurts. Like, it's, it's fucking weird. The bread? Soggy. Might have been because it was an hour old. Not sure. That's probably it. Um, Yeah. Uh, gonna give you, I'm gonna save a lot of the commentary for the video that we shot for it, um, but I'm giving it a hard 4 out of 10. Okay, but Okay, you know what?
0: I'll just save my I'll just save my debate for when people see the video. How how how's that
1: sound? Whatever, man. I f- whatever, man. What whatever, whatever, dude. What a- whatever, guy. Yeah, Jeff Brony, <laughs> Gabagool, man.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, shall we get into it? The most important story of the day. The most important story of the. Oh man, that's a bad eh, bad transition. Um the big story of the last 24 hours, the Tampa Bay Lightning have defeated the Montreal Canadiens in five games. Wow, I'm shocked. Who I didn't see thung? that
1: coming. That's crazy.
0: So, naturally, we have to get we have to get to the most important, the burning question of everything, which is has Nikita Kucherov had a glass of water in the last 24 hours?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. The closest he's gotten to a water is a Bud Light. <laughs> Because they go down like water? Uh, just because I think of like, he's Russian, so he's probably drinking at least like 40% vodka. He's probably putting, he's probably getting like
0: special cans made where there's Bud Light, but also vodka in there. Oh, a, a rocket. Or, or Bud Light made with vodka. Yeah. But it's called like
1: Bud Light. So the Bud Light that he had during the famous press conference is like, like based on sheer volume, the closest he's gotten to a glass of water. And I think between him and Pat Maroon, the closest they will get to water for the next 72 hours. Dude, I, I, I swear the amount
0: of partying that Pat Maroon has done, he's going to have like gin blossoms by the time he's like 35.
1: <laughs> we don't have to go anywhere. We went blues. <laughs> Pat Maroon is just Brett Hull in training. A young Brett Hull. Uh, Pat Maroon is getting
0: ready to come back to uh, Orange and Blue so he can come Te- show. Teach he, the boys
1: how to win. He can come show Connor how to win. Follow me. Everything is alright. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's get right into it. You brought it up. That press conference with Nikita Kucherov might be the biggest flex of all time. That might be the definition of rock star shit. It's so funny. It's that was so good. Unreal.
0: Yeah. It's, it's also unreal too, because it, it the amount of uh, negative feedback it's gotten online from like, in, I, I actually saw a tweet about this. It was like, um, it's so it's, it's ironic that the people that are complaining about the Nikita Kucherov thing are the ones that are always calling like this generation soft. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that, I mean, that's exactly it. it. That was exactly what you want to see from a guy that just has back to back cups and has essentially put up the best offensive playoff runs in modern memory and i don't think he's stopping
1: anytime soon not to mention he's also the absolute center of the firestorm of the uh tampa bay cap debacle that everybody likes to talk about and he knows it yeah and he and he's sitting up there uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the interview he's sitting up there shirtless Chucking up double deuces, duh, duh. And then he's got a Bud Light that's like three quarters drank that he's slamming around. And he does not even take me out of the frame of the camera. He's setting it front and center, logo out. They're sending him a check. Everyone's excited. And then he's sitting up there and he's talking about some of the most disrespectful, <laughs> and I say disrespectful because it's fucking unbelievable shit that any professional <laughs> hockey player could say about anybody else. To recap, um, says that Vasilevsky the best goaltender in the world.
0: Can I say one thing before you continue? Yeah. I just wanted to just, I wanted to say starting off the press conference, Joe Smith from the, I believe from the athletic was going to ask his first question. And Kucherov was like fucking in one when
1: Joe was about to ask the question. And and then Nikita Kucherov was like, he chugs his beer back and he's like, Joe goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, all he wants yeah. to do is go back into the room and drink some dirty champagne yeah. and party. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Going so, back to you. So he's, he's sitting up there um, talking about how Vasilevsky is the best goalie on the planet. He is. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> saying forgets Mark Andre Fleury's name and calls him that guy in Vegas, <laughs> the current Vesna trophy holder. And he calls him that guy in Vegas. Insane. Um, talks about how Montreal won their Stanley cup last round and saying that their fans were insane for thinking they had any sort of chance in that series. That is funny.
0: Also referring to Connor Hellebuck as that other guy last year.
1: That, yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't give a shit and going back to what you said about, um, some of the people in the hockey community talking about how like this generation's soft, but being super butthurt about that. One thing that I love about Russian players is that they, like how little of a shit they give. Oh, totally. Because like to them, it's nothing like, yeah, you know, it might might be the best offensive player in the game, aside from McDavid. He's probably going to have a stupid season again next year, um, but could also, you know get a call from his buddy back in Russia from grade 6 and be like hey do you want to come play for UFA and put up 800 (laughs) points and make lots of rubles it'll be very fun and then Kucherov's like "Ah, no like I should probably stay in North America Like, got two cops. things are going really good I'm playing with a unicorn of a person in Victor Hedman and then his buddy from grade 6 is like I will set you up with my sister you had crush on in, in elementary school and then Kucherov like every other Russian is like fuck I could go get drunk at home like that would be so crazy
0: I could literally have vodka in my water bottle in the and what
1: are they going to do? Not pay me? It, well, it, I mean, exactly.
0: He, I don't know. I think we have to start having the discussion now. And I, I know that the, we didn't really plan on talking about this, but I do think that there has to be a discussion around like greatest Russian players of all time. Cause I think we automatically go to Alex Ovechkin and we look at scoring 65 goals and being that guy. I wonder if there is a case to be made that the peak of Nikita Kucherov is the greatest Russian season we've ever seen in his era versus like his peers and everything like that. And because, I mean, you look at the last couple of years, man, I mean, he's just he's a he's a i don't know top five player in the nhl easy
1: oh hands down uh like i don't know i think a guy's like alex mcgillney had like some crazy seasons when he was starting off in the nhl but i don't know if it rivals like the era adjustment that kucherov's having with like this level of competition so yeah if you're talking about greatest russians of all time i think kucherov is kind of he's like right up there yeah and if he's not you're you're blind
0: yourself and he's a uh, he's i believe he's 28 or 29 and he's got two back-to-back cups
1: along with uh along with a hard trophy so speaking of back-to-back cups what about back to back to back cups in the patrick maroon dynasty that's impressive and sick to see and it looks like Like, I don't... Did you see any bits of him, like, skating around the ice and, like, dapping up fans and, like, just skating around the boards and getting everybody stoked?
0: So, I was in the middle of driving home from uh, uh, a certain Greek-owned restaurant uh, yesterday. Chris is a Uh, Greek-owned? T-R-I. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But anyways... Uh, I was, I was in, I was on my way home and I was checking Twitter on the way and I saw on Twitter that, that they were mentioning that every player got to do a lap with the cup. And because it's like, it's their first one that they had in front of fans. So they just took their sweet time with it. And then obviously when I got home, like all the coaching staff was on. So I actually didn't really get to see much of Pat Maroon holding the cup the first third time
1: in a row. We actually had a really cool, like, I think this is a memory that's going to stick with me for a really long time. So, last night, we had a ball hockey game. Fresh Lettuce Ball Hockey Club played our fourth game. Um, We're currently Owen, but I don't want to talk about it. Um, So, we're walking out of the dressing room, and we're at the Cooperator Center in Regina, no free ads. And um, we're standing outside of kind of the main entrance area, and there's a TV that's up. And the team that we just played and all the other fans from all the other rinks, six rinks in a row, right. Yeah. Um, Are all kind of standing around this TV, just like staring at it. Nobody's talking, everybody's watching. And I look behind me and I see the sheet of ice behind us. And there's like four guys from the team that's on the ice supposed to be doing their warm-up, That's staring through the glass, looking at the TV and everybody's just standing there watching it. And there's about two minutes left in the game. So we all stand there for two minutes and clock, winds down and tampa starts to do the the celly and shed their mitts and like it was such a weird like split of ass and ooze because there was a bunch of people that were sad that montreal didn't win and there was a lot of people that were happy that tampa won and just over the past year and a half like you kind of forget like the emotion of sports and of other people and it was really nice Yeah. Nice is such an anticlimactic word, but it was very like relieving to be around people again, even though we're all in our masks and like standing inside of a hockey rink and stuff. Right. But it was just so cool to be around people again for such a normal moment. And it made everything feel kind of more normal again.
0: Yeah, I I feel that same way. Just watching even just watching the celebration with the fans all around them. Like it is really cool to see because you're, you're like you're thinking to yourself like these people are going nuts again and they're watching their team win the Stanley cup. And you think about those players and like last year it was kind of fucked and they weren't really able to exercise that a whole lot. And now they're at a point where they can, they can really say like, we won the cup. Like we, cause there was always that, there's always like that, that whole bullshit discussion of like, Oh, there's a team that won a cup in a bubble actually win the cup. And it's like, there was always that little asterisk beside it, if you will. And, they, uh, you know, people thought the same thing about like the Lakers, um, when they won their chip last year, but now it actually feels like this is a, this is a real cup. Like this is earned. Even if it was $18 million over the cap, it was earned. Right. So right.
1: absolutely. Um, speaking of earned, well-deserved Vasilevsky with the con Smythe trophy playoff MVP, putting up some absolutely ridiculous numbers. What do we got here, Nolan? He went doo, 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 0.922 save percentage and a 1.90 goals against average through the playoffs. Yeah. That's he's, insane. Yeah. He's, he's fucked. That is against the turbocharged Hurricanes that they beat in six. Yeah. That is against the nasty, nasty Panthers that they beat in seven. And like another pretty damn good, maybe not an offensive juggernaut, but very good New York Islanders team. Um, More coolly, more insanely, is that he had five series clinching games in a row with a shutout. Yeah. And he's the third goalie in, NH- in NHL history to have back-to-back Stanley Cup clinching shutouts. He's a fucking, he's a monster. I actually pulled up the stats here just because I
0: wanted to show you. Uh, just give me a second here. Wow. Oh. Oh, that's not a Bud lane. Okay, never mind. Um, actually, his his stats for just the series, all right? Five games played, four wins, one loss, 943 save percentage.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> 943. <laughs> 943. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> all you can hear in the headphones is uh, producer Chris cracking a, a what I assume to be a Budweiser light.
0: So, Miles, I wanted to make one adjustment to the stats. Yes, the stats he rattled off. He actually had a nine thirty seven save percentage.
1: 937, so nine thirty seven. So significantly better than what I said, <laughs> which was already better than. What, I just,
0: I just, insane. I just, w- I, w- I wanted to drop that just to get you, just to be like, holy shit, that's insane. That is, it, that is crazy. I think he finished the regular season with a nine twenty two. That's why. Oh no, he finished the season with a nine twenty five. OK,
1: so like people are people, people are asking, is he the best goal in the NHL? And I th- think, yeah, it's pretty safe to say um, Marc-Andre Fleury had an insane season and we've talked about his numbers time and time again uh, throughout various episodes of the show. But like Vasilevsky's showing up when it matters. Yeah, not that Fleury isn't. I mean, like he's not, but not to the same degree that Vasilevsky is like he's showing that he's in an elite class of goaltender kind of on his own.
0: I think too the um, the discussion you can have around it is similar to the discussion we had because the only other guy that I even put in the same trajectory as him is Connor Halibut and it's mainly because of and this is going to kind of go back to our discussion when we had the whole Kane versus McDavid discussion was how important is Connor Halibut to his team and Connor Halibut is probably the most like to his team he's the most important goaltender in the NHL because. He covers up every single like defensive miscue that Winnipeg has, whereas like Vasilevsky is really great, and I and I I would I would actually agree with you. I think he is the best goaltender in the NHL. Um, but I can understand I can understand the other side of the argument where people might say that Connor Hellebuck might be that guy. Um, but the fact of the matter is is that. Tampa has their own defensive breakdowns themselves. Victor Hedman, as great as he is, is not a perfect defenseman. He has his warts, especially this last four or so months of the season. Um, but v- what Vasilevsky has accomplished and just the sheer, like, his athleticism and his, like, his poise, that guy never gets rattled. Like, never. Even when they were, even when they had the, um, Even when they had the NHL awards and Kucherov wins, you know, MVP and Vasilevsky wins and Vasilevsky wins the Vesna and they're roasting him on stage. He's still just like calm and cold. And that's just him.
1: Yeah, he's a stone cold killer. Just like uh, Carey Price. Like there's a famous story about Carey Price at the 2014 Olympics in Sochi where during the gold medal game, um, you could actually see him yawning. Like he was just unfazed in one of the most pressure packed situations anybody can ever be in. And this guy's yawning because he's just like got the heartbeat of a cadaver. Like he doesn't of a care. Of a
0: straight line.
1: So, yes. So <laughs> speaking of a straight line, there is a straight line of correlation between the teams that were in the top four and their goaltenders. And I know that you know this because you follow the same guy on Twitter as I do who was posting about it. But for those who are not familiar, <laughs> all four of the teams that made the top four, the Canadians, Islanders, Vegas Golden Knights, and Tampa Bay Lightning, had... A number of things in common, but one that we're highlighting, which is all of them having a goaltender that was drafted in the first round.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess so.
1: Semyon Varlamov went 26th overall in 2006. Carey Price went 5th overall in 2005. Marc-Andre Fleury went number one in 2003. And Vasilevsky went number 19 in 2014 or something like 2012 that. I remember 2012. that draft because I think
0: he got I, I don't know if he got picked ahead or behind of Malcolm Subban
1: mm. Yikes. so the reason I bring that up and the reason why I think that that's really interesting as a goalie guy is because there's a split in people people's ideas people's ideology of like how you go about getting a number one overall goaltender because there's a lot of people that think that you find a diamond in the rough either through the draft or trade of a prospect and, like, grow with them or you make a big splash and sign a stud in free agency. And I think that this is proof, minus the Islanders, I mean, because they traded for Varlamov, um, that the better route to go in the long term is finding a guy and drafting him and developing him within the franchise.
0: Yeah, I agree with that to a point. I don't personally think that 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 line is linear, um if that makes sense. No, there's a- absolutely going to yeah. be object-
1: or like uh, um
0: because uh, the the only things. reason why I say that is because like you can look at even last year, right? Like l- like look at last year with Dallas. Who was Dallas riding the entire time? Anton Hudobin, right? Um, a lot of it does have to go into like development and and uh, just even because uh, everything is just so much different from junior and uh, you know and and college hockey and then moving into the NHL. I do agree with you to a point though, um, where a guy like Vasilevsky was the like can't miss. Goaltending prospect. I mean, he was arguably the best one they had since Carey Price. And so there's a reason why you take guys like that. Um, I do think that there's that for every one of those, you also do get a Sergei Bobrovsky signing a 10 year contract worth $10 million a
1: year, and then he immediately is terrible. Um, you also get a Calgary Flames Leland Irving draft pick where he's a, or a Justin Pogie with the Leafs where there's yeah, supposed to be franchise exactly. goaltenders that don't work out. So it's still. I get your, ex- your yeah, exception point. It's still,
0: it's still, I would say it's still, it's still overall like. I, I'm still on the side of like it's voodoo, but I think that there is a strategic voodoo, if that makes sense. Like you can be very strategic about it because you can go for guys that have talent. And I think when you look at really like the. Because they're uh, with with the two guys that were not that are not with the team that that drafted them in Varlamov and in uh, Flurry. Those are two guys where they were coming off of not great stints in where they were playing. I mean, Varlamov was up and down in Colorado. Flurry was like bad <laughs> with the with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he was able to refine that now. Might that have something to do with the systems they play in? It very well could be. But at the same time, they have talent for a reason. Now, with that being said, um, with the 19th overall selection this year in the 2021 NHL entry draft, I would like the Edmonton Oilers to go after Sebastian Sebastian Casa.
1: Yeah, that's why I was setting it up. And I'm very glad that we're on that same wavelength because I think that that kid's going to be an absolute freak. I'm also
0: happy that we did this where uh, where we can get... Oh, God damn it. Uh, anyways um i'm
1: really happy that we
0: can get uh that uh, saying at the same time it's quite nice
1: yes and there was no lag there was no internet issues um speaking of issues yes and haters the haters the haters are going to be enjoying this one and that is varlamov's big ass chest protector that everybody on the internet seems to be talking about there was a picture of carrie price shaking hands with vasilevsky and I said Varlamov because I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. Keep recording. Vasilevsky and um, Carey Price were shaking hands. And Carey Price was fantastic this series. I don't want to take any credit uh, away from him. Um, Simply just not, you know, he was playing against a team of freaks. And couldn't pull it off himself, and I don't think they had the firepower to go against them on sort of a crazy take. Uh, but anyway, there's a picture of Carey Price and Vasilevsky, and they're standing beside each other. And Carey Price looks like a lean, mean, Diet Coke-drinking machine. And Vasilevsky looks like a guy who lives off beef and cheddars. Even though when you look at their uh, hockey DB profiles, they're about the same height and only 5 pounds heavier is Vasilevsky so it's bringing up this whole question about like oh Tampa's cheaters and like they're wearing unsanctioned goaltending gear and they're cheating and this that and the other thing and it just kind of makes you go back to the whole debacle that was pre-2006 lockout with goaltending gear where you look at the pictures that of of players like Ontario um, uh, he used to play for the Flyers was like a pretty little dude and wore massive pads, massive pants, massive chest protector, and took up so much of the net, um, and that led like the owners and people involved in the lockout to put restrictions on the width and of whatnot in pads. Like, are you from, do you remember when they had to put the restrictions in for goalie equipment? I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. So now everybody's up in arms saying that for Lamov's cheating, and it's just like don't even want to give it the time of day because we've done that song and dance. And it was done so long ago. The debate on it is over. Everything that these guys are wearing, even everything that as a goalie you can buy at like your local store for gear is NHL legal. So to go out there and say that he's, you know, the Michelin man wearing nine layers of padding underneath of his chest protector, cheating and whatnot, I don't think is warranted. And I think anybody that is saying that has never worn a chest protector or ever looked at a goaltending chest protector.
0: I've never worn a goaltending chest protector. Oh my God. Just chest protector. So I
1: cannot contribute to this conversation, Miles. Well, go to sport check, go to the goaltending section equipment rack and throw on a chest protector and look at yourself in the mirror, and is it's not going to be freaking flattering. So stop giving Vasilevsky a hard time. Everybody. Is that our
0: is that is that our new content piece? Is me trying on a chest protector for the first time?
1: <laughs> we could, <laughs> and then we could do a handshaking picture in a sport check, and then get kicked out because we're not allowed to film in here. <laughs> um,
0: get out of
1: my room. Should we say uh, Should we say our thoughts and prayers to the Habs? Yeah, um pouring one out for everybody on Montreal except for Josh Anderson. Sorry, Sean Patrick Crown, I know you're a big fan of him. Um, but Sean... Josh Anderson did the classic Josh Anderson cycle, and that's play like shit, get beaked, have an insane game, start playing like shit again.
0: I think he had, like, five points in, like, 21 games.
1: Yeah, dude. And all of his points in this series were in the fourth game. Oh, no. Oh oh oh, sweetheart. That's 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 not good, <laughs> oh, honey, sweetie, baby. No,
0: no, oh no.
1: So, Max Domi, we miss you. Jonathan Drouin, we miss you. Um, Josh Anderson, when you're producing, we miss you. It's like
0: I don't even. Yeah, yeah. He had six points in twenty two games. That's a, fucking garbage. That's a that's a that's a tough one. It's hot that's hot. That's a, that's a tough one for Josh Anderson. Um, yeah, I still, th- I still hold, I still stick to my guns saying that I think that that contract is going to end up being the worst in the league and not very long. Um, he's a guy that throws lots of hits and can sometimes score goals. I like his speed. I think he is a good player. Five and a half million dollars for the next seven years is, is no bueno. My friend.
1: No bueno. No bueno. So I was having a conversation with uh, my, my line mate on the Fresh Lettuce Ball hockey team, Karsuchuk. Shout out to Karsuchuk. Um, he's a big Montreal Canadiens fan, and he was just, like, absolutely shaking his head. He's like, I do not understand the lineups that or the the line matchups that Dominic Ducharme was putting out there. Like, they were playing that um, Suzuki Caulfield line against Tampa's top line all series. Yeah. And they weren't trying to match up anything. And, like, you're putting little Suzuki and little Caulfield like young guys Caulfield being a rookie against Kucherov Braden Point and Palat I think is the other guy on that line yeah like really do you think that that's an advantageous situation for those guys to be in do you think that that's a position for your number one line to be successful in as the meme says not a great plan (laughs) turn your fucking brain on Dom Dude, he I, I will I will
0: hammer this home. He still looks like a, a fucking Harry Potter villain.
1: Uh, turn the lights off. Carry me home. <laughs> he looks like a pop punk singer to me.
0: Like he looks like he should be playing
1: bass in like the Offspring. No, dude, I th- you I think you are right. I think he looks like the like he's gonna be the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts.
0: I'm gonna show you a photo of John of Johnny because now that we can do this and I can just turn it around and show you. Um, I'm going to show you a photo of Johnny Depp as Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> and you tell me he does not look like Dom Ducharme. Holy shit. He looks like Dom Ducharme. Oh
1: my God. He looks like Dom Holy Ducharme. Shit. Shave the mustache and that might be Dom That's Ducharme. That's Dom Ducharme. He is, he is playing around with some witchcraft and wizardry. Avada Kedavra Dom. You're done. You're getting people sick. Oh no, he's definitely getting signed for like six years. Yeah, no, he did, like <laughs> uh, ever since he replaced. Who was their coach before? Uh, Claude Julien. Yeah, ever since Claude Julien uh, hit the bricks, uh, Montreal's looked like a different team.
0: There, I, th- I do think there is something to be said. I think they did play better under Richardson when Ducharme unfortunately got COVID. Um, so it would be kind of funny if. Um, if Luke Richardson ends up signing somebody ends up signing somewhere at like to be a head coach or to be an assistant coach somewhere and then Dom Ducharme does
1: it and then immediately runs them into the basement. <laughs> so one more Stanley cup related uh, discussion I want to have with you. Yes. And it was one that the ball hockey boys and I were having last night. And that is, do you think that Carrie price is in the pantheon of uh, Montreal Canadiens goaltenders with what he, his body of work and do you think he finishes career a Montreal Canadian I think he finishes
0: his career hab because I think that contract is unmovable um I know he had a great playoff run but unfortunately great playoff runs don't mean that you're gonna that you're a. I don't know it's hard to explain like I, I don't think a team can stomach a 10 million dollar cap hit Despite the fact you had a really great playoff run. And don't get me wrong, Carrie Price looked looked dominant in, in a lot of these games. So I do give him a lot of credit where credit's Do I do think that he is very high up in that, in that Habs pantheon of goaltenders, because really you got Ken Dryden, Jacques Plant, Patrick Waugh. Patrick, yeah, Patrick Waugh, sorry. And I mean, I think when you get into that nitty-gritty of that time between Patrick Waugh and Kerry Price. You got, like, Jose Theodore. Cristobal Huey. Yeah, and I think that Carey Price
1: mops the floor with those two. No, for sure. I I do agree with you. But I, I think that his issue is, like, yeah, you can have a lot of wins, but he's never really had, like, a disgusting season where the Habs have, like, been a powerhouse and won a cup. Whereas he's going against a number of guys throughout Montreal's history that have cup after cup after cup, win, 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 win. Like we're just yeah. absolutely dominating forces. Yeah. So I think that that's what keeps him kind of out of the, out of the Valhalla of Canadians, goaltenders. And I, I get what you were saying about like, um, Stanley cup, like playoff runs don't make your contract worth it or don't make it easier to stomach because like, that's exactly it. Like, because at the end of the day you have a 34 year old goaltender making 10 and a half million dollars who got you 18th into the playoffs Right. Like you are not making it any easier on yourself as a team to squeak into the playoffs and then just rely on him being hotter than hell yeah. to make a run. Like if you're gonna be a successful team, you're gonna be finishing a little bit higher in the standing so that you can play some lesser teams and make it easier on yourselves, not be the freaking underdog for yeah. four straight series. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um
1: speaking of underdogs, are we jumping are we jumping into Oilers now? Speaking of underdogs, I got a good segue here. Okay. A guy who's been counted out his entire career. Oh my God, A guy who's been getting talked shit about since he came into this league he's first been, overall. He's been told, you're getting people sick. He's been told he's too small. He's been told he's not putting out enough offense. He's been told he can't handle playing against big centers. He's been told that he
0: can't grow full facial hair. Because he can't. That's very true. So he grows a main mustache.
1: But he's also been told that he needs to be kept in Oiler forever. And he needs to stay home. And that's exactly what Father Ken did. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is back. Oh, baby, is he back? Better than ever, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is staying in Oiler, signing an eight-year $41 million contract extension, carrying an annual cap hit of $5.125 million dollars. Oh, I'm so happy. This is I'm so
0: is, see, and that's the thing is that if the cup final didn't happen, we would have started the show with with a with a, a huge celebrate with the songs uh, uh, celebration uh, to celebrate Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, celebrate, celebrate good times. Copyright. Um. Woo-hoo! Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Had a tough season last year, 35 points in 52 games. Um, But I think a lot of Oilers fans can attest to this. He just had a lot of really bad puck luck and unfortunately had some pretty stinky line mates at times. Um, With that being said, previous years, he had 61 points in 65 games, which was a 76 point pace, which is more than worth 5.125 million dollars and 69 points. Nice. Nice. In 82 games in 18 19.
1: One of the things that I think is very underrated about this contract is the like structure con or is the breakdown of the numbers. Like it works out to an AV of 5.125. Yeah. But like this keeps him an oiler until he's 38 yeah. years old. And in his last couple of seasons, he's making like 2.4 or something like that. Right. 2.2. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not making a terrific amount of money in his later, later portion of the contract. So it's structured. Um, yeah, here it is. 5.25, 6.25, 6.25, 4, 2.25, 2.25. Awesome. Yeah. Like, it's great. So as he progresses as a player, and I think this is what a lot of Oilers fans need to realize is because like, oh yeah, I love the dollar value, but I don't love the term is something that you're hearing a lot. I hate that shit. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, but that, that contract is built like for him to age. You're not going to be paying, so when he's older and he's potentially a fourth line center, um, you're not paying him, you know, five and a half million dollars or something like that. You're paying him what, you know, a higher end, fourth, third, third line center should be making.
0: Yeah, and at that time, at, at that point, the cap is probably going to be in eight years from now. You're going to have ESPN and TNT money coming in. That's going to be huge for the league, and you're going to be
1: upwards of $100 million, probably. And helmet sponsorship ads, too, are going to bring in so much yeah, money. We're gonna.
0: Yeah, we're going to get some jersey sponsorships, too, while we're at it. We'll get a uh, uh, f- fucking Trojan on the front of a Detroit Red Wings jersey. Um, no free ads. <laughs> no, no free ads. Um, but, I mean... I think you also have to look at the type of player too. Like this isn't a this isn't a uh, a big bumbling winger that can get in front of the net and score some goals. <laughs> that sounds really mean. No,
1: I'm just I'm picturing Nudes, like as a big bumbling. It's like winger six and five. He's, yeah, yeah. he's basically just like stupider Pat Maroon. He's yeah. like fucking. You guys want some wings or what? Yeah.
0: This is like this. This this is not the Zach Cassian contract. This is a guy that I think. Realistically speaking, and I mentioned this to a buddy of mine. I could see I could easily see Nuge aging like a guy like Patrick Marlowe, where he relies so much on his skate on his skating and not speed necessarily. It's the agility, it's his edge work. Um, and not only that, but his hockey sense. Like there's a reason why he went first overall. Maybe he doesn't have that Gretzky vision like people talked about when he was drafted, but he's got a nice shot on him, too, that's pretty underrated. And I just think that this is a guy that you got him to take a pay cut. Like, realistically speaking, um, there's an account on Twitter called Evolving Wild, and they usually put, um, they're very heavy into analytics, and they kind of got some shit last year when they had Valerie, Valerie Nachushkin higher up in Hart Trophy rankings than Leon Dreisaitl it it's taking analytics a little too far, but what they had said is they, they do these sort of like contract predictions of what they think guys are going to make versus how much they actually make. Right. And their contract prediction for Nuge was any, was I think it was like 7.8 times seven and Nuge signed for 5.1 times eight. Yeah. The term might be a bit longer, but give me that cap hit any day of the week. Like, when
1: you say so you they had him at seven what
0: they had him at like 7.8 million dollars a year
1: oh i would have been in the streets riding if they would have signed him for 7.8 i think yeah. that's fucking crazy it's way too much um but open market that's what they're thinking is right open market. no for sure i'm just saying like this is how i'm justifying or not just fine but this is how i thought the new contract would work pay him six and a half to keep him whatever we'll live with it six probably okay Five and a half. Wow. What a steal. Yeah. 5.125. Oh, daddy. That's nice. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's horsey sauce on my beef and ched. Oh Don't give me a start
0: on beef and cheddar. <laughs> so
1: good. So, yeah. To, to get that contract that they did is awesome. Took a pay cut to stay home. We haven't even talked about the leadership intangibles that that brings. Um, and who's going to come to Edmonton? How are you going to get convince anybody to come to Edmonton? Uh, well if you have one of your franchise cornerstones taking a pay cut to stay there, I think that that sends a pretty clear message to any incoming free agent that this team is serious about winning and that the guys in that room are dedicated to doing something special.
0: Another thing I wanted to mention too, and I think this kind of gets lost in the shuffle um, is, uh, um, I don't know if anyone notices this, but the Oilers are trying to win a cup right now. Um, so if it means signing guys to term, if it means to si- signing guys to term, then it's very important for us to be able to um, like, it, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's very, it's very important for us to be able to get guys locked in so that we at least get that cap hit under our belts, because I would rather sign a guy to a contract that might look a little shittier down the road because I want to win with Connor McDavid and Leon dry right now. I don't want to wait
1: any longer. Speaking of not wanting to wait any longer. Do you think this is a good time to bring up yesterday's breaking news? There is a break, a breach in the system in St. Louis, Missouri, where, (laughs) sorry, I'm just bringing up the notes. Uh, Target number one has been acquired. Vladimir Tarasenko has requested a trade from the St. Louis blues. According to Jeremy Rutherford, he's a a author at the athletic, the 29 year old winger has expressed frustration with the team's medical staff stemming from the handling of his shoulder injury surgeries In brackets. I'm adding other reports include issues being taken with moving him uh, to a net front role on the power play and Ryan O'Reilly being named captain. Um, Nolan has put that this should be Ken Holland's priority number one. Vladimir has two years left at seven and a half million dollars with a no trade clause. Before these last two injury riddled seasons, he had five straight years with at least 33 goals. Insane. Very good player. Very good player. 29 years old, so he's on the right side of 30. Yep. Making seven and a half for the next two seasons. Mm -hmm. Russian. 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 Um... I'm very conflicted about this one. And I know that you think it's pretty cut and dry, but I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous, nervous about... Are you nervous about the injury? I'm nervous about the injuries. Yeah. Like, do you know very much about the shoulder surgeries? I, I know he's been through a lot of injuries. I, I do know that. So the two shoulder surgeries that he had, both of the... Perce- so he said three shoulder surgeries. Three. Yeah. Two of them were done by St. Louis Blues doctors. And the second one was, in his opinion, rushed to get him back into the bubble for the playoffs in Edmonton, where they were swept, in, or not swept, but lost out in the first round. Yeah. So, like, what was it for? Nothing! And then he goes to Colorado to get an independent shoulder surgery, and the doctors, it took them, like, 15 minutes or something like that of, of scoping around and figuring it out, that the last two surgeries that he had from St. Louis Blues doctors didn't even connect the ligament that was torn. Oh, my God. They put him under the knife twice for fucking nothing. And then had to go in there a third time, connect it, and fix him up. So, like, from a medical standpoint uh, and from a player standpoint, that's terrible. Yep. Like, how could you look at that team and be like, you guys know what you're doing. Like, you guys are handling You have my best interest in mind. Like, no, you don't. Um, secondly, like, damn, three surgeries in, like, two calendar years is, is tough. But thirdly if they finally resolve the issue and he's going to get better and he can go back to scoring 33 goals and playing with Connor. That's that's where I'm really nice.
0: That's where I'm thinking, right? Is I think if there's one thing Ken Holland has really preached since coming to Edmonton, I do personally think that he is a player's guy. Like he he'll go on the side of the player. I mean, look what he did with Jesse Pulley RV. I will, I will consistently hold Ken Holland very high for being able to do that. Um, I think at the, in, in the total grand scheme, what you have to look at it as is the cost versus the reward. Right. Um, now if Vladimir Tarasenko is, uh, costing the Oilers, you know, Evan Bouchard and fucking Dylan Holloway and like two first, obviously not. Right. But if you can get him for like, I'm trying to think here, like maybe like, like a pretty good prospect, a first for sure. Like you have, like you'll have to move the first this year. And I think the, um, there was a trade the other day. God damn it. I'm trying to think about who it was. I'm going to look it up. I know I should be more prepared than this because there was a trade the other day that kind of was like, all right, like this is what, like, this is what the market is right now. Um, recent trades. Oh yeah. The Victor Arvidsson trade. That was the big one. Sean Patrick Ryan had mentioned or had, actually talked about him too. Uh, Victor Arvidsson went for a second and a third, and he makes four point two five million dollars. I think that the Oilers could very well get, get themselves into a market where they're basically bidding with themselves. Because if there's, if, if if you want to be into a bidding war with yourself on somebody, it's a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko. With a guy like Duncan Keith, on the other hand, not a very good, not a very good promising thing to do
1: okay so before we get into Duncan Keith I think there's one more thing I wanted to say about Vladimir Tarasenko and you already kind of brought it up in terms of the package that goes the other way because St. Louis if you listen to their management talk is still like in this really weird like win now yeah mantra like thought process so I don't think they take prospects for Tarasenko I think that they're looking for like a legitimate plug and play piece yeah right now and I just don't know if the Oilers have that player that they can give up.
0: So here's my question. Would you move a guy like Yammo for him? Oh yeah, man. I would too. Would they take Yamo for him? I think they would. I don't think so. I think I think I think Yamo is a guy that Craig Barube looks at and is like Oh, that gets me... That gets me hard. <laughs>
1: Why do you make Craig Berube sound like a fucking pedophile? A sexual deviant? <laughs> Please, sir, come and have a seat.
0: By the way, Craig we come on the pod. <laughs> uh,
1: defend yourself! So we can have unfaithful Yamo and sexually frustrated Barube <laughs> in the same room together. There's so much going on. Um, Yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I don't think that a Yamo was a guy that they get to make that trade. I think that... Uh, <laughs> I think they'd want a Yesapole RV back the other way, which is a no, which is a no, sir. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to move Yesa as
0: my, I, I mean, if we're looking at it from like, cause our issue with that too is that we're Oilers fans, right? And Yesa holds such a holds such a special place in our heart that you do run the risk, like you, you absolutely do run the, you absolutely do run the risk of, Yes. having a really good season and then flaming out next year. Right. I mean, there, there, there is a possibility, but, um, at the same time, yeah, I don't want to move. Yes. I do think moving a guy like Yamo would be, would be, would be preferred, especially also too, because he's an RFA. And that's the other thing too, with, with St. Louis is that they could get rid of a seven and a half million dollar cap hit, while also signing a guy to probably two and a half, maybe $3 million if, if, if that's necessary. And then leave some cap to go after another big gun. Exactly, right? I mean, if they wanted to bring back Jaden Schwartz, which uh, he's a guy that I, I would not uh, I may be interested in too. If know. they want to get in on the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Yeah, exactly, right? He's definitely a possibility. Um,
1: but So I guess it's not as crazy as we're making it out to sound.
0: No, I don't think yeah. it is at all. But I do think that there are going to be a lot of suitors. Um, I was reading an athletic article, suitors, <laughs> Glenn <laughs> suitors. Um, I was uh, I was reading the athletic article, and they had brought up the possibility of the flames. And they said, I wonder if the Flames would move Matthew Kachuk for him. And I'm like, ooh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if Calgary fans would be very happy about that.
1: I think I think that they would flip. What What's the big tower in Calgary called? I don't know. And oh, I do
0: uh, Yeah, isn't it like something like... Okay, oh, Calgary, Calgary tower. tower. Okay,
1: good. If they flip the Cal, uh, okay, shout out Calgary to have the creativity to name your big. I thought it was going to be Calgary called. Tower. I thought it was going to
0: be called like the Chinook Tower or some shit like that.
1: So I that's think... that's the
0: shopping mall, though.
1: Yes, I think that if Calgary traded Matthew Kachuk that the fans would flip that big tower over.
0: I'd agree with that.
1: Just revolt.
0: Yeah, they would. They would throw the revolution that every uh, that. Every like fifty-two-year-old dad right now thinks that they're going to overthrow the liberal government. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Call a motion of non-confidence. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> My grade twelve history teacher's like, no, you
0: can't. Yeah, do you want do you want to talk about really uh, 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 overthrowing overthrowing the Oilers management?
1: I was hoping that we weren't gonna, but I think we have to. Yeah.
0: I don't want this to happen. Please and thank you. Uh, apparent, so, if anyone is, is not aware, the, uh, Elliot Friedman decided he was going to drop a little bomb. I believe it was last weekend on Hockey Night in Canada. Which he mentioned that Duncan Keith would prefer a trade to a uh, Pacific Northwest team or a Western Canadian team. And apparently this only means one of two teams. The Seattle Kraken, the upcoming Seattle franchise, or... Damn it Oilers and Miles I don't know I'm not happy about that
1: I'm certainly not happy about Duncan Keith coming to the Oilers Duncan Keith analytically is not very good has been highly problematic the past two three seasons
0: and then in addition to that there's also the other stuff with the thing we mentioned from last last show um, that apparently he was involved
1: with and that is not very good and that he also makes like five and a half million dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly. For two more years. So, would I rather seven and a half million dollars for the next two years on Vladimir Tarasenko, or would I
1: rather five and a half million
0: dollars for the next two years on Duncan Keith? I tell you, I'd much rather have Vladimir Tarasenko.
1: I'm the girl, the little girl from the taco commercial. Why not both? <laughs> Come on, Miles. Why not both, Nolan? Because there is talk that if the Oilers go after Duncan Keith. There is a mutually beneficial trade package that could go either way. That being Duncan Keith and potentially uh, a Sir Dylan Strome. Dylan. Former teammate on the Erie Otters and very good personal friend of, of Sir Connor McDavid. Reunited and it feels so good. Going back the other way would be like a Seth Jones... Mean Caleb, Jones? Caleb Jones something on my mind would be a Caleb Jones or a uh, with a with a James Neal now if that's a package that they can work out I don't love it because I don't like like I don't want Caleb Jones to go anywhere at the same time I don't know how much depth defense we can have like before it just doesn't make sense
0: I'm pretty much already writing off Caleb Jones not being an oiler next year yes so um I can kind of get behind that. Now, my only question with Dylan Strom is Does Dylan Strom come with his dyed blonde hair from when he was uh, playing Neary? <laughs> you know, I'm sure that that can be written in. Because, oh, and also we need a photo of him dabbing in his <laughs> Sperry's and his khakis.
1: Oh fuck, I forgot about that. That was
0: a that was a really good time in our maybe lives. We, maybe
1: we don't want that then. <laughs> maybe we should just leave Stromer.
0: Dude, but the, the nice part about Dylan Stromer is he's going to jo- is that he would join the all the Ryan Nugent-Hopkins team of players that age really well and will look like they're uh, uh, 22 when they're in their
1: mid 40s, a playoff uh, a Stanley Cup team. Photo that has like a playoff the, soul patch. Half the guys can't grow a beard. Yeah,
0: they yeah they have playoff soul patches.
1: Um, <laughs> it's just your entire team is theory of a dead man. Oh, that's a sick team.
0: She likes to shake her ass, do <laughs> the beat. She likes to pull my hair when I make her grind her teeth. Copyright. So
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think that if it is inevitable as inevitable as media is making it out to sound Duncan Keith will not be playing for the Chicago Blackhawks next year if that is the case then I think Ken Holland knows that he has all the chips and should be taking his best offer off the table because I assume he's been talking to Chicago Yeah, take his best offer off the table and just say you know you got a guy that doesn't want to play for you what can we do here? Yeah, and put it all on black and get the best deal possible. Because and then, because ho- and, then ho- and then hopefully Lady Luck strikes for you. Yeah, hopefully, Lady, Lady Luck. luck. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe if they go the buyout route with James Neal, they can move like Miko Koskinen contract out in that trade or something like that. Right.
0: I'm getting the feeling that Miko Koskinen is going to be in Edmonton Oilers next year. I'm sorry I, I didn't mean to throw oh, that on no! you I think I think James Neal Is gonna be uh, Is gonna uh, Is gonna be Getting himself A nice buyout So he can go uh, so, then he, so that he can go Down to the store At the At, at the creek shopping mall And pick himself up Some nicely patterned shirts Have you shirts. seen all the
1: patterns? Have
0: you seen the patterns? That's why it's two the grand one, The one that's The one I saw Is two grand I thought you said It was a thousand What what, what the hell Does he say to Doug again? You
1: fucking skunk <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Doug! You fucking skunk! You've been spending all your per diem on shirts, <laughs> <laughs> James so Neal. You've been so spend, you've been spending all your contract money on shirts <laughs> down at the West End. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah, uh, I will. Can I I want to say one last thing on Duncan Keith. Okay, I don't want Duncan Keith at the price he's going to come at. However. I don't hate the idea of Duncan Keith as an Oiler. Does that does that make sense?
1: That makes sense, and that resonates very much so with me because, like, I don't think you can put a price on. Like, okay, so think about like this Edmonton Oilers core of like, yeah, it's a Harvey, Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Draisaitl, Yamamoto, yeah, um, like that, even like Nuge to a degree. Yeah, when they were growing up, who were they watching win cups? Chicago. So if you're one of those guys who's now like pumping the league full of points and somehow Duncan Keith with his luscious lock, like beautiful head of hair, beautiful mane in a bucket. I think it's a little spotty on Bob, the most Manitoba accent I've ever heard. Oh Fuck bad. You, you see literally. Him, so you see him walk in with three shiny cup rings talking about like how good you guys are. I think yep. that that could be, Really, really nice for a young core of guys to 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 hear and to see. Like that yeah. could be a huge boost for that locker room. Totally at five and a half million dollars. No, thank you. At three, two and a half, two point seven five. Honestly, at five and a half. Been? Honestly, at five and a half. But you take back James
0: Neal. I'm uh, I can I can stomach it. I can stomach it if they take back James Neal because you're it's the same term and you're they're taking back a little bit more money. So, right. and and I think that you can use Duncan Keith more than you can use James Neal, <laughs> and having him with a guy like Evan Bouchard hugely beneficial for Evan
1: Bouchard. Absolutely. So, Father Ken, if you're listening, swindle, yes, steal, cheat. If be- you're
0: if your you're way. hearing rumblings that Stan Bowman is is planning on buying him out, wait for the buyout.
2: And get him on the cheap because he's coming anyway.
0: Please and thank you. Um, okay, I have a couple more things uh, that are Oilers related. Then we're going to close off with um, p- potentially the most important news in all of media for this week. <laughs> um, uh, but I know that we, I know that you mentioned Zach Hyman when we were talking about notes and stuff like that. I'm actually not convinced Zach
1: Hyman's an oiler. Um, I don't know why. I don't think he wants to come to Edmonton. I don't think he does either. And I think that that directly contradicts what I just said about guys One, how are you going to attract guys to Edmonton? But like, I don't think Zach, where did he, he put college hockey at Harvard?
0: I think it would be more likely that, I think I could see him being like a Bruin. Exactly. I actually, you're going to fucking, I know, I know that you could kick me right now. I think it is more likely that... Zach Hyman would be a Bruin... Or, sorry, Zach Hyman... or No, I, I, sorry, uh, let me rephrase this. Get your fucking Taylor Hall <laughs>
1: shit out of here. I, I know think, where you're going. I
0: think it's more likely that Taylor Hall is an oiler than Zach Hyman is. I could see, easily see Zach Hyman signing in Boston.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, like, okay. Um, am I mad at myself or at you that I don't totally disagree with what you're saying?
0: Uh, you're, probably, pier- you're probably
1: more mad at me because I'm, I'm essentially pyramid scheming you into it. <laughs> Join my MLM yeah. Taylor Hall joins your hockey team. And all you have to do is sell it to five of your friends. Um, come, come stay at my timeshare. Come stay at my timeshare. No, um, like Zach Hyman played hockey, uh, played, played college hockey at Harvard Um, and then went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's an East Coast guy. Yeah. Like, as much as you want to say that, he's a big city boy. He's not coming to cold-ass Edmonton, uh, trudging through nine feet of snow, going to Diamonds on the weekend. He's going to, like, a nice museum. Maybe he's going to go look at that bean thing in Chicago. I don't know, but he sure as shit isn't coming coming out west. He's not driving tractors down White Ave as a protester. I still want Brandon Saad. Still want Brandon Saad? I, hey. I
0: still want Brandon Saad.
1: And I think Victor Arvidsson getting traded. Um, I think the trade market's going to open right. The up. trademark that's going to be the, yeah, that's going to be like who shot first. That's going to be the yeah. one. Um, but losing out on him really hurt because I wanted him really bad. Yes, I would have paid a first for him. Yeah, to be completely yeah. honest. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the next little bit with the draft expansion draft and free agent period all opening up so damn quick, but I cannot wait to see how it all plays out because I might regret saying this, but I have a lot of faith in Ken Holland.
0: I think I do too, because I think he's recognizing that this is the year to go for it and you have to, you have to be primed and ready to go. Um, As much as I appreciated the year from Mike Smith, like you have to have no ties to loyalty. The only guy that mattered was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Other than that, fucking throw it all out there. If it means Adam Larson, you're not coming back. Which he's still not signed. Like there's still no agreement in place yet. Um, there there could be something there, but you have to put everything all on the line and be like, all right, this is this is what we're like. We th- we're gonna load up and we're gonna go for it because if Tampa showed us anything, is like they were 18 million dollars above the cap, and they st- and they did it they were able to make it work. They did it and they were within the rules. Mm-hmm. So Ken Holland, you got to work your magic.
1: I saw that Vegas has um, the Stanley Cup odds for next year out already and this is without the 25-ish million dollars in cap space that the Oilers have. I think it's your like, a
0: take. Uh, let me check what it is now. I know it changed since the new extension. Regardless, yep.
1: they mm-hmm. were 11th at uh, 125th. They currently have $16 million in cap space after the Nuge extension. So there you go. $16 million to play with. And you guys were at 11. I think that Ken can get them into cup contender standing. Yeah. With this off season. If they, if he can,
0: I firmly believe that Mikko Koskinen is movable. The only issue I have with that is that he is that team, other teams know that they're wanting to move Mikko
1: Koskinen. So, well, that's that leverage point with Duncan yeah, Keith, right? Exactly, it's the yeah. exact same thing, on the other hand, where you have the leverage if you're going to take a Misco Koskaloos contract on.
0: Rico Koskaloos. Rico! Because he reeks. Just kidding. We love you, Miko. Well, uh. I love my cat, Miko. <laughs> <laughs> um, but James Neal, I think, is pretty much an automatic buyout. Like, you, you, you got to do it. I know it's going to be four years at 1-9, but... You're saving a lot of money, so I would appreciate that. Please and thank you, with a cherry on top. Um, Miles, did you have any last uh, Oilers notes?
1: No, because I really want to get to the most important news in media.
0: Okay. Most important news. So everybody knows. Everybody, we have breaking news. Dua Lipa has landed her first role in a major motion picture. In Matthew Vaughn's new spy film, Argyle or Argyle? I, I don't know. I It's got two L's in it, so I don't know why. I mean, it's not like Argyle, like like Argyle School in Regina, Saskatchewan. Is that school in Regina?
1: Yeah, no free... School Tell ads. your kids where to go to school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but uh, yeah, uh, new spy film Argyle or Argyle, uh, which is out in 2022. Um, so we just want to give a shout out to our queen, Dua, um, our sweet English Bosnian princess. We
1: stand on guard for the Stan STM.
0: We love you so much (laughs) too. Come on the pod. (laughs) Please come on the pod. Please come on. I will propose to you live on camera. Okay. Maybe don't come on the pod then. (laughs) 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 Um, but other than that, that's pretty much it for the, uh, for, uh, Most of our stuff that we have going on for notes because we have uh, a special guest coming up pretty shortly here.
1: Yes, we do. Um, Two special guests, actually, depending on how you want to look at it. That's very true. But the guest that you will be hearing from in this episode is someone who will be announced live on air.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Someone who, I think we can say it, is getting the one-of-one, one-for-one sweater.
0: After years of time in between of waiting for this shit to happen, it's
1: finally happening, everybody. We will be announcing the winner of the one-for-one Pickapalooza live and being joined for an interview by that winner. So stay tuned for that. All right. So we are joined live by the highly anticipated winner of the one-for-one Pickapalooza pool playoff whatever you want to call it the victor of the one for one uh one of one one for one hoodie we are joined live by none other than tanner from moose jaw
2: tanner how the hell are you well first of all boys size medium for the sweater um i would take a size medium um i feel not surprised but uh Happy to be on the pod. Excited to to chat with you guys, and been looking forward to this. Yeah, man, and we've been
1: uh, we've been watching obviously uh, throughout the duration of the season, the standings whenever they were updated by the uh, absolute lemon of a of a host. Um, but yeah, man, you've kind of been taken away in the driver's seat uh, a good portion of the time. So it, it definitely comes as no surprise that you're you're coming away with the size medium one for one sweater.
0: He, I mean, he's he's he. I mean, he's clearly been cutting this summer, right? Yeah, yeah
2: clearly. That's a,
0: that, that that's a slim hoodie.
2: Lots it's not, you know, course. it's not that I'm like five foot nothing or anything like that. I'm, it's strictly cutting. So oh, that's sick. I had such, that's had such a big lead that I knew that I had to start cutting for this sweater when I come. <laughs>
1: So Miriam Webster's defines mutant as of relating to or produced by mutation. And I think that that's a pretty good summation of your score. Tanner absolutely fucking ran away with it with a first place tally of 425 wins. I was thinking about subtracting five just for the meme, but I don't want to make this guy walk around the world with a hoodie that has the number 420 on the sleeve unless it's co-produced by Huff and no free ads. I don't think we're going to be doing that. Definitely no free ads. (laughs) But One thing that I was excited about. So I know Tanner from university. Tanner is a graduate of the Paul J. Hill School of Business. No free ads, but uh, shout out where it's due. uh, Where both of us got a marketing degree together. We were... Um what we were group members for a 400 level class we had a lot of fun with it um uh, what was that do you remember it was something about management
2: no honestly i don't remember a thing from university at this point it's been so long but we had a lot of classes together i i want to say it was an hr class honestly but i yeah. It's been a long time. It's already been like four or five years since we graduated. So it's hard to believe. No,
1: a hundred percent feeling like old men.
2: That's so fucked to think about. <laughs> but one thing I remember from
1: school is that Tanner always had like really fresh outfits on. He was always wearing something sweet. So I am definitely looking forward to your hand in designing this hoodie and making sure it's something that you're actually going to wear and something that you're going to be stoked to put on.
2: You know what? Even if it's got Oilers colors on it, I'll rock it. Anything for the one for one pod, you guys have been doing a pretty good job and a part-time Oilers fan, I guess now over here. Oh, too, so we
0: we'll, we like to hear that the conversion begins. Um, I wanted to ask one question, Tanner. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you ran away, absolutely ran away with the lead. How much Adderall are you taking on a daily basis? <laughs>
2: uh not enough to be surviving but that's a good answer um you know what though I uh I still I didn't really have to take it after the lead that I saw I pulled ahead I was just kind of having fun with it I think and uh see Buffalo winning uh or losing 18 in a row I'm gonna start picking them and see if I can guess when they get one and uh no no Adderall was needed I guess by the end of the season I guess.
1: No no performance enhancement this guy is natty. So that was one thing that I wanted to to ask you about is because like I was the one that was tracking the wins every day and like man I was trying to get a hand on your strategy. It always seemed like you were like picking underdogs correctly and like taking the overs when it was correct like you were you were very I, I we never did a win percentage or anything like that because obviously you know some days we were only doing three of seven games or or what have you but so I never could work out a win percentage but like did you have any strategy or anything like that and how you were picking teams like were you looking at matchups or anything or was it just purely a close your eyes and pick kind of thing
2: it depended like I don't know like I don't know when you have like Buffalo on a 16 game losing streak obviously you just ride that and you just hope they keep losing, but honestly, a big part of it, I think was matchups. Like I was just seeing, like, especially at the midway point, like how are teams doing against each other? Like, for example, like Washington beats, I think it was Buffalo and New Jersey pretty much every game. So I was just hammering pretty much hammering that. But then there's somebody like Minnesota where I noticed they would give Vegas a good game. So I'd be like, okay, I'll pick Minnesota. So, A little bit of luck, a little bit of just watching a shit ton of hockey this year, basically, because COVID things, not much else you could really do. So I think it was a combo of just getting lucky and, uh, I don't know, just watching a ton of hockey and just guessing the games at the right time. So, Did you make any money this summer? I don't gamble on hockey. It's like the one thing that I don't gamble on because there's just too much – luck involved i'm more of an nfl guy when it comes to gambling so
0: well you're sitting with the premier better himself
1: <laughs> <laughs> i can see from the
2: hat that you're a
1: you're a seahawks guy but when you put on your your hockey jersey uh, i think it's no surprise that you are we talked about it on the show a few times that you're a caps fan and you had the opportunity to go to the verizon center and watch your capitals was it in their stanley cup year
2: Yeah, so I went to uh, game three in 2018. I went with a buddy, and uh, it was just one of those things where it was like I knew that I I might not never see them getting the cup final again because it was like, I don't know, it took 40 years for them to get there in the first place. I know they got swept in like 98, but we don't talk about that. Um, (laughs) Didn't happen. But I just kind of thought like – at the time, like early twenties, I just started working at um, my job at the time and had some extra money kicking around. And I was like, "Why wouldn't I go do something like this?" So the game was on a, it was on a Saturday. It was game three. Ovi scored the first goal, and the place was wild. I remember. I don't know. I just like the adrenaline was so high during that game. I hardly remember it, but it was like easily one of the coolest things I've probably ever done. So. Yeah, that would have been during during their cup run, though. How loud was the siren? Man, honestly, like, we were in the nosebleed, so, like, it just echoed where we were, basically. But, honestly, the whole arena was just so loud at the time. Like, you couldn't even hear yourself think. It was pretty crazy. And, like, I couldn't imagine being in, like, Edmonton or Montreal with a full, like, stadium because it would be way crazier than probably what I saw in, uh, in Washington there. But even like the party outside of the rink before and after the game was just like something I can't even describe. There's just thousands of people partying and it was, it was a pretty cool experience. If I ever could do it again, I, I probably would no question.
1: hundred percent, man. So as two long suffering Edmonton Oilers fans we haven't had the opportunity as young men to see our uh or young adults I guess oh six we don't talk about it um as young lads we got to experience that one but as like someone who was old enough to go out and like you said go to parties and experience it and travel what what's it like as a fan to to see the team that you've cheered for for so long finally do it well
2: Washington's had a history of obviously winning some president's trophies and absolutely blowing it in the first round. So I took a, I took a lot of heat from a lot of people for a lot of years for cheering for them and for them to just finally, I think it was when they beat Pittsburgh, I knew that they were going to, they were going to do it. They just, that was a beast. They just couldn't get through. And I think I was more excited about them beating Pittsburgh than them even getting to the cup because it just felt like it was impossible and it would never happen for Ovi. But all I can really say is, is keep on cheering because the boys will get it done. Eventually you got, you got McDavid, let's be honest, McDaddy's not going to not get to a cup final ever. And I think it's just a matter of being patient and, uh, yeah, you're gonna take a lot of heat, but when you get to that kind of that uh, to that point as a fan where they win, it feels like you're basically part of the team. So especially being able to go and like just being such a big fan for the last 10, 15 years, it was I don't know, man. I, I watch it every every year I gotta watch it on the anniversary and remind myself how sweet it feels to see Obi lift the cup. So it's a pretty good
0: feeling. Such it. A- I I remember watching that live and just being like, uh, just so happy for him. Like his, like his initial scream when he's like going over to go get the cup. And then he's like, Oh, it's so good.
2: They got the like violin music playing in the background too. And it's just like the fireworks go off. I don't, I shed tears, man. Uh, Honestly, like I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to say it. It was pretty, it was pretty exciting though. So hopefully you guys get to experience that, uh, sooner rather than later
1: fingers crossed. So you've mentioned them a couple times. Ovi Ovi Ovi. Would you say like one of the messages that I'm going to backtrack, I'm going to start over. This is a fucking awful interview. I got a lot to learn. So, one of the things that Nolan and I really appreciate about doing the show is when people like interact with us and give us feedback on episodes and stuff. And Tanner's always like pretty quick to let us know like, Hey, that was a cool episode or I like this, or maybe next time you guys should try this or something like that. Right. But one of the messages that really stood out to me was after we did the Mount Rushmore discussion and like favorite players episode and Tanner messaged the podcast and he was like, Oh, that was like a really cool episode. It felt like I was just with a couple of buddies that were talking about hockey. Um, just sitting around shooting the shit. So I wanted to ask you, who would you say, I know this is off the dome, so it's probably hard, but who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore and who are a couple guys that you have a soft spot for as a hockey fan? Who are some of your favorite players outside of the greatness debate?
2: Oh man, that's tough. Like for sure, Gretzky is obviously on the, the Rushmore. I mean, there's what, four four people on Rushmore, so it'd be Gretzky. Probably, I have Crosby in there. As much as I hate to say that as a Caps fan, I think Crosby's just, like, on another level. Like, he's he's pretty incredible to watch, so he would for sure be on there. Um, And, like, the other thing with him is he was hurt for, like, two seasons during his like prime with the concussion. So I think he would be even more like amazing than he already is. So he would for sure be on. Uh, Bobby Orr for sure would probably be one for me. Cause I feel like you got to have an old timer with him on there as well. And then the rounded off. Oh man. Like you probably have to put how in that conversation, but uh, I, I can't even remember who were you guys saying again? I can't even remember what you guys said for that one. You have the same three out of four. The only difference would be Yager or Lemieux. Oh, Lemieux. That's who I was forgetting. He's, yeah, it's for sure. Lemieux. So I'd probably go Crosby, Lemieux, Gretzky, and, uh, or probably would be my four. Nice.
1: Yeah. I think you're, pretty much bang on at nolan's then yeah he is so you guys are you guys are separate you
2: guys are brothers from another mothers we're separatists separate. <laughs> just uh just a smart man who knows his hockey i guess so
1: that's not patting each other on the back or anything eh <laughs>
2: <laughs> but and then like i guess in terms of players for a soft spot obviously Ovi is like my all-time Probably all-time favorite player. He's the reason why I love the Caps. Um, So he would be number one for sure. Um, I really like Datsuk. Like, growing up, if I could play like any player, it would be Pavel Datsuk is who I wanted to play like. He's probably up there. I don't know. I got a thing for Russians, I guess. (laughs) Russian gas or something. I don't know. But uh, Putin's making me say all this, actually. So, but... uh, (laughs) The red dot is just showing on his chest. Thank you, sir. Um, who else? Mike green would be another one. Just another capitals player. Just cause I don't know when you see a D man score, like 30 goals or whatever it was. That's obviously
0: how dare you bring up the name of Mike green in this
2: household. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I forgot. <laughs> you left the boys so high and dry. I forgot about that. Uh, that's just COVID things. Um, just covid
0: things. hashtag
2: i don't know like another another person i like and i'm actually nicknamed after him so growing up i played hockey as well and played some like travel and like um some like i'm no triple a player but i played some like double a and all the boys called me marty because marty saint louis and uh being a guy who's a little on the, the shorter side, I, I've always had a sweet spot for uh, for, for Marty St. Louis as well. So I'd probably round out some of my favorite players growing up.
1: I feel that. Marty St. Louis, I was always so amazed by him because his lower body was so disproportionate for like what he was as a person. He's such a short dude. And then he's got fucking two oak trees as legs, just absolutely barreling them.
2: Do they like I feel like if you're like a small guy like that, you have to be built like that. Otherwise, you're just going to get thrown around by the rest of the league, basically.
0: The the video of when his mom died and like Crosby was going over and seeing him while he was on the bike. Like you see the legs in full force in that video. It's fucking insane
1: how big his legs are. There was one other thing talking about Mike Green, like aside from uh, giving the Oilers, the double deuces and dipping. um, (laughs) I always remembered um, that he like when he was putting up crazy points, he was using a Easton stealth CNT. And that was a stick that I wanted so bad when I was a kid. Just a nice low kick point shooting pucks from the blue line. Always had eyes, always scored. I loved Mike Green, too. He's one that I definitely didn't talk about, but, like, when the Oilers got him, was losing it maybe, like, three years too shy. But I oh, yeah. Mike a Green.
2: For that, but, uh, yeah, like, growing up, because he he was a, another big reason why I, I liked the Caps so much. Just because, like, they're exciting, right? You got, like, a D-man popping 30. You got Ovi popping 60. Uh, you got Alexander Semen, yes, the slapper. Um, he was he was fun to watch too. And then you got like Backstrom. So he, yeah, I got a lot of soft spots for the uh, for the Caps, obviously. But I mean, I grew up like loving Joe Sakic too, and like even like guys like even today like McDavid and Dreisaitl like watching those guys too. Like McDavid's easily the most exciting player I've ever seen play. So like even, and that's saying a lot considering I'm like a big OV fan too. So um, uh,
0: one last thing we need to touch on with Mike green. Cause the, 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 the one thing I always think of when I think of Mike green is him in 24 seven and him riding the moped in his like UGG slippers, like guy, guy just knows fashion. <laughs> yeah. And his, and his, and his Mohawk too. It was like rock the hawk was like their their like slogan for him or something like that.
2: All I can think of when I think about the like 24-7 is Bruce Boudreaux dropping like 40 F bombs in 20 seconds basically when the team was just playing like garbage.
1: Wasn't Bruce Boudreaux also isn't he also like the guy who smacks his head whenever he has a bad thought <laughs> So but that I don't know, seven. like
2: he's the guy. Like I mean, he's red faced all the time. I could see him being that guy. You take a look at him; he's definitely, that's definitely a Bruce Boudreau type of thing to do. He's
1: Definitely going. Oh no! <laughs> so, what do you think about the Caps' chances going forward? Do you think they got a retool? Do you think they've got a uh, one more crack at it with this with this
2: core, or blow it all up? I think it starts with getting rid of a couple of guys like I think they got to ship off out uh don't think I need to explain that one too much uh, he's a little bit of a problem I think and it's too bad because he was sick during the cup run and he should be way better than he actually plays but I think they got to move him but I don't know I'm not a big fan of giving up on guys too quick so it's tough to say. I think the team's too old. They got to just get some younger guys in the in the lineup. Like, you got McMichael ready to go. They got a couple of young D men who could probably slip in. And maybe if Sam can just like not get COVID, that would be. Probably- <laughs> so, but I don't know. It's it's tough to say. But they're they're running out of time. I think if they they need to start putting in some of the younger guys. I think I think it's otherwise they're just too old and get too beat up by the time playoffs hits.
0: I guess with like Kuznetsov, it's kind of a weird thing where, um, like he's weirdly old, if that makes sense. Like he's 29. And I, I always think of him as being like a 25 year old, like rookie coming
2: into the league. Yeah. Well, cause he like stayed in the KHL for like five years or something. Yeah. So he started a little bit later. So I think that's why he's like a weird old cause you yeah. don't, he hasn't been around that long, but he's like, he was in the KHL for so
0: long. Well, and at least they got Anthony Mantha, right?
2: Well, yeah. All-star Anthony Mantha. Super. I don't even want to touch on that one. So we'll, yeah. we'll pass through that one. A,
0: a buddy of mine who's also a Caps fan um, is like, I was, I was asking about it. Cause I was like, Oh man, I'm like really jealous you guys got Anthony Mantha. And he was losing his mind. He was like, are you fucking kidding me? They traded away Jacob Vrana in a first round pick. Are you fucking joking? And then, uh, yeah,
2: I mean, Jacob Vrana had a really nice closeout to that season. Well, I get why they did it. Cause Mantha's like signed for another three years or something, I think, which is why. And Vran is on uh, he's an RFA this year. I want to say so. And he probably secured the bag after his potting. However many goals in the last like two, three weeks there. So he was probably going to be too expensive anyways. And I think they had to ship him out regardless, but, and then I can't remember who the other person they shipped out, but it, it was a really bad contract. So I think that's where the draft picks came in. Oh, Richard Ponick. Yeah, that was it. He was, yeah, he was not very good this year either, but uh, yeah, Vron is like, he's a fan favorite. He's one of those guys that you love, even if he's like, he's just really hot or cold. Right. But yeah, yeah, I can I know a lot of Caps fans who are who are pissed about that one.
1: Well, here's hoping the youth movement comes sooner than later and you know we can uh, maybe see an Oilers Caps Cup final and you won't have to travel as far to, to come to a game.
2: Yeah, I'll meet you guys in Edmonton and we'll we'll catch the game there. T- sounds like a plan
1: to me. That sounds like so much fun. Well, Tanner, thanks for coming on and talking hockey and pick a Palooza and once again Congratulations on the chip, that medium one-for-one, one-of-one hoodie is coming to you sooner than later, buddy.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for having me, and uh, good job with the podcast again. Still listening every week, even if it's three, four-week breaks. I'll be there every single time to listen. So uh, so you guys are doing an awesome job with the podcast, and keep it up, and thanks for having me.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Wow, what an interview that was. So stoked to finally get him on! You got to hear the magic, what it takes to be a champion. Channel that into next year for your Pickapalooza self-interest, and maybe it can be you with the sweater.
0: Yes, we, uh, and, and and we're gonna. And don't worry, everybody. We are going to release photos of this sweater. Yes. Just so everybody can know, are, are we are we going to make it available to purchase at one point? No, Tanner's is a one of one
1: one for one sweater. But some but we will have somewhat a gen- similar we will have a somewhat similar more generic template for sale. But that is coming down the pipeline as we work with Tanner to design the jersey sweater. It's not a fucking jersey, it's a, yes, sweater. it's a sweater. As we work with Tanner to design the sweater. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for episode 24. The live one of the one for one podcast. I'm Miles, joined by Nolan, and as always, go away, let's go. Go away, let's go.